Well, praise ye the Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and we will be glad in it. This is Michelle here in the prayer room, Daniel Fast 100 Facebook group. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, it's a good day. It's the day that the Lord has made, as I said. I am rejoicing and I am glad in this day. And I invited you into the prayer room at this noon hour. <clears throat> Pardon me again. Because God is so good and we need to give him the praise as do his name and never cease to lift him up. Never cease to tell the Lord how good, how great, how magnificent, how mighty, how majestic, how powerful, how wonderful he is because he's all of that. He's all of that. He's everything that we need, everything that we want, desire, ask for, can even imagine or think he has that available to us. And we have to trust him in the hour, the time that we live in as never before. So we're in the prayer room on the second day of the Daniel fast. We're going through Sunday. For those of you who are part of this fast, I pray that you're enjoying this time of consecration, dedication, and uh, alone time with the Lord. We've been talking about the book of Esther, how God used Esther at such a time as this to come into a place of power and position so that she could be used by God in a mighty and magnificent way to save her nation. And it was because of fasting and prayer, a corporate fast, a corporate time of praying for the nation. The nation rose up in prayer as one that that Esther might go before the king and plead the cause of the people of God. And because she did that with the valiance and the dignity and the honor and the humility that was birthed out of fasting and prayer, God heard the cries of his people and he delivered them from the threat of annihilation. Well, we're living in a day and time where the threat of annihilation is out there. The threat of annihilation of the youth is out there. The threat of annihilation of uh, ethnic groups is out there. The threat of annihilation of the people of God is out there. And if we fast and pray and call on the name of the Lord in faith, God will hear our cry. He will attend to the voice of our supplication and he will turn that picture around and work all things together for our good. Again, we've been talking about Esther and I just want to make a connection today from the book of Nehemiah and talk about a man of God who fasted, who prayed, who called on the name of the Lord and who, because of his intercession, See, God is looking for intercessors, people who are willing to turn their plates over and turn their faces to the wall, cry out to God morning, noon, and night, and say, God, spare my people. And even as I'm saying that, I'm recounting the news that I heard on yesterday. This is breaking news. Yes, it is. It is breaking news. I haven't heard it broadcast, and I haven't heard it declared and decreed, and uh, uh, brought great attention to. But in the news this weekend, past in Chicago, it was announced that, according to the reported information, there were zero homicides in the city of Chicago. No one got killed. Praise ye the Lord. There were no murders in the city of Chicago. I'm telling you, this is a prayer. This is an answer to prayer. We have been crying out to God week after week after week that God would quell the tide of murder and mayhem in our streets in our communities, in our neighborhoods, and stop the violence to take the guns out of the hands of perpetrators and stop the evil-hearted perpetrators of violence, sin, mayhem, and murder. And this weekend, praise ye be to God, there were reportedly zero murders in Chicago the first weekend in January, 2022. I would call that a great start 
to this new year. What do you say about this? Well, I say it's a great start. Actually, it's the second weekend because the first weekend was actually uh, January 1st which was on a Saturday. So this would have been the second weekend in Chicago. I can't tell you about the first weekend, what happened. That was New Year's Day. I think it was pretty quiet that day too. Well, give God the praise. He answers prayer. He hears the cry of the intercessor. And that's why we're in the prayer room today. And today, as I said, we're going to talk about Nehemiah. I just want to read to you briefly from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1. And this is what it says. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hachaliah. And it came to pass in the month of Shishu in the 20th year, as I was in Shushim, the palace, the Hananiah, one of the brethren, came. He and certain men of Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity and concerning Jerusalem. So here we have the heart of the prophet, the man of God, concerned about the people of God, the Jews, that had escaped the captivity, the Babylonian captivity, and concerning Jerusalem, the city of God. And verse 3 said, And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction, and reproach. This is the condition. This is the report that is being given to the man of God. The people that escape, that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. And the wall of Jerusalem also is broken down. And the gates thereof are burned with fire. That's the condition. That's the problem. In the middle, so uh, knowing uh, that that is so, man, God intervened in the life of his people through the man of God and his prophetic prayers, his intercession for the people of God, for the city of Jerusalem, knowing that only God himself could fix the problem as it was presented to him. And verse four, it says, and it came to pass when I heard these words, verse four, I want to stop right there. When I heard these words, we hear things every single day and we just kind of shove it off. We hear about the death of a loved one. We hear about the sickness of a neighbor, a friend. Uh, they're grieving because of the death of a spouse or whatever the condition or situation may be. We hear about people whose homes burn down. <clears throat> we hear about situations that are traumatic, places where people's homes have been obliterated because of natural disasters, fires and floods and such like. We hear these things, but we're not moved to act when we hear it. Perhaps we're not even moved with compassion. We might say the pat words like the perfunctory answer. Oh, that's sad. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. But yet, if you really have felt that burden and pain of that suffering, you are motivated, you are moved, you are compelled to do something about what you've heard. That's what Jesus did. Every time he was confronted with an issue that was brought to his attention about someone sick or dying or suffering, afflicted, infirmed, even in demonic bondage, he was moved with compassion and he did something about every situation that required his help. Let that be you today. That's what I want to say. Verse four, and it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. When you hear these words, when you hear about trouble and woe, desperation, dying, 
destruction, natural disasters, fires, floods, hurricanes, people left homeless through fires ripping through. Even in New York City this week, it was a horrific fire in the Bronx where reportedly 17 people died in the fire and they say it's the worst fire in decades. When you hear about these things, what happens? Do you just flip the page or turn the channel and go on to the next thing? What do you do? I want you to think about that for a minute and then I'm going to go on. <clears throat> okay, enough time for you to think about it. I hope you do something. If you can't push up your sleeves and go in there and help remove the debris, if you can't push up your sleeves and pack lunches and water and clothing items and blankets, if you can't reach into your pocket and donate to a worthy cause, a reputable charity, if you can't do any of those things, you can get on your knees before God and cry out to him and fast and mourn and weep and pray before the God of heaven. That's what Nehemiah did when he heard the news about the condition of Jerusalem and the Jews and the walls of the temple. He was broken in his spirit and compelled to do something about what he heard. He could not just sit idle and say, oh, that's terrible. I hope they get better. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's what we're doing today in so many situations. We're saying that's so bad for them, but as long as I've got money in my pocket, my car is running, and I've got a roof over my head, me and mine, us four and no more, we're okay, then we don't look outside the borders of our own lives to see the broken down borders in the lives of other people. We're guilty of letting people around us suffer shamefully, suffer unnecessarily, suffer when we have the power in our hands to do something about it. The word admonishes us that if we see our brother or sister in need and we hold back the bowels of compassion and don't do something to help them, how does the, the, the love of God, how can we say we have the love of God in us? We don't have it. We don't. Okay, verse five. And said I, and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Okay, Nehemiah is going to God in prayer. And the reason that I'm bringing the book of Nehemiah chapter one to your attention today is because we're fasting and we're praying and we want to be able to pray effectively and the one way we can pray effectively is to learn from the prayers of the righteous from generations past, even the biblical examples given here in the word of God, in the life of Nehemiah, in the life of Esther, and in the lives of others that I'll deal with during the time of this fasting. So Nehemiah came to God. He said, I beseech thee, I beg thee, O God, I petition thee. O Lord God in of heaven, you have to know who you're praying to. You have to reverence God and you have to know his dominion, his power and his authority. Acknowledge those things. And then he goes on to say that keepeth covenant and mercy. God is a covenant keeper. If he promised it, he will bring it to pass. You don't have to wonder if God is going to do it. If he promised that he would, he is going to bring it to pass. So he's a covenant keeper. He will keep his word. He will keep his promises. He will not fail you. If you keep your part of the bargain, so to speak, you keep your part of the covenant, the agreement, 
then God is going to keep his part. Amen. He said, if you draw nigh unto me, I will draw nigh unto you. So we draw nigh unto God in prayer. And when we draw nigh unto God in prayer, we invoke the presence of the Most High God. His presence will fill your room. It will fill your temple, your body, which is God's. And as you're fasting and praying, it will do so as never before. So I want you to understand that you're not praying in vain. You're not fasting in vain. You are doing what God has commissioned you to do as a believer in desperate times. This is what we must do. In Esther's day, it was a desperate time. It was a critical time. When I'm on the prayer line every Friday, it's a critical time. I cry out to God for to save his people, to save this generation, to save the young black men that are being destroyed and obliterated in the streets. Their futures are being wiped out and they're being destroyed one by one and individual by individual. And when it, the attack is upon the man, it's not just upon the man, but it's upon the children, the family, the generation, the future. And so my cry is to God, save, deliver, stop the violence. And I want to thank God that there was not a life lost this weekend due to gun violence or murder. Praise be to God. So even as Nehemiah prayed, he said to God, the Lord God of heaven, that keepeth covenant and mercy the great and terrible God. He knew the power and the awesomeness of God. Do you know the power and the awesomeness of God? Then when you pray, you can call upon him in the way that you know him. Because if you follow on to know the Lord, the scripture says, you will know him in a greater way. The way that you know him today will pale into insignificance compared to the way that you'll know him 10 years from now, five years from now, one year from now, as you walk with him, talk with him, get on your face before him, read your word, seek him continually. He will reveal himself to you like you've never known him before. That's intimacy with God. That's knowing God in an intimate, real way because you've gone through your tests and trials, trusting God to bring you out on the other side. Okay, let me read on. And thine eyes, <clears throat> excuse me, that keepest covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee. This is Nehemiah's prayer. Now, night and day, for the children of Israel, he's interceding for the children of Israel, thy servants, and he's confessing the sins of the children of Israel. And he says, and confess the sins of the children of Israel. That's verse six, which we have sinned against thee. He's repenting. He's humbling himself. He's crying out. He's fasting, praying, laying out before God, weeping and mourning, travailing and interceding in behalf of the children of Israel, confessing the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. The sin of the nation is what's bringing on the trouble in the nation. The sin of the city is what's bringing on the trouble in the city. The sin of our households is what's bringing on the trouble in our households. We need to repent of the sin that we're tolerating, that we're living with, whether it's sin that we're conscious of or we are unconscious of, we're doing things, saying things, living in a way that God is not pleased with. And when we humble ourselves in fasting and in prayer, God will show us where the guilt is. He will show us the, a the aching 
that's in the house and we will get up off our knees and clean that house and get rid of that ungodly thing that we brought into our homes. May God help you to do that today as you fast and as you pray. If you're living in an adulterous situation or you're compromising because you've got children who are living in adulterous, fornicating situations, clean your house. Clean your house because the sin is what's bringing the trouble into your house. If you're bringing ungodly things into your home and you know that you're drinking, smoking, gambling, stealing, robbing, fornicating, whatever the sin is, you know the names of these things, but there are other sins that happen in our mind. We are full of anger. We're full of guilt. We're full of bitterness. We full, we're, Our tempers are uncontrolled. We need to rid our temples of these things. And the only way to do it is to fast and pray and ask God to help us and to deliver us, to set us free, to purge us with hyssop that we might be clean and wash us, that we'll be whiter than snow. Even as David prayed in Psalm 51, Psalm 51 needs to be our daily prayer until we get this thing right and God is pleased with us in our household. Verse 7, he said, we have dealt very corruptly against thee. Nehemiah is confessing the guilt of the people of God. The guilt-stained hands of the people of God. And they're in the condition of being afflicted and reproached and the wall of Jerusalem broken down and the gates burned with fire because of the sins of the people of God. We look at the condition in our world today, our nation, our cities. They're like this because of the people of God. God gave us the authority. He put it in our hands. I'm going to refer back to the book of Ezra, but not right now because maybe tomorrow I'll do that. Where the man of God said, God put this, all this power in my hands. And he acknowledged what God had put in his hands. God has put the power in the hands of the people of God. And the power is effectual, fervent prayer. And that's what fasting and prayer is all about. We have dealt corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments nor statutes nor judgments which thou commanded thy servant Moses. Verse 8, remember, the man of God says, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses saying. Now this is what Nehemiah is calling to mind, to the Lord's mind as he's praying. God wants you to call to mind his promises as you pray. Because if you don't have a foundation to pray, that foundation being the word of God, then you do not have an effectual, fervent prayer. It's based upon emotion, but it's not based upon the faith. Faith and emotion are two different things. We won't go into that discussion. We're going to stay focused on this prayer that Nehemiah is praying, remember I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, this is what God told Moses. He said, if ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. God had already told his people that. He would scatter them. He said, but if you turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, Though there were of you cast out into the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them into the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thy servants. He, he Nehemiah brought into this prayer, this intercession after repenting, the promises that God had given his people. So you see, different aspects of this prayer going on here. The repentance, 
The first part of it acknowledges God in heaven. He comes humble. He comes fasting. He comes praying. He acknowledges God in verses five, verse five. And then he begins to petition God. He begins to cry out to him and confess the sins of his nation, of his people, of himself. And then he calls to mind the promises of God that he had given his servant Moses. And then in verse 10, he says, Now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. You brought them out of Egypt. You brought them through the affliction of those years of oppression. You carried them through the Red Sea. You brought them from that low place into a place of provision. But God, now they're broken and in bondage and distressed, and I need your help. This is what Nehemiah is saying. Now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. And his prayer, verse 11. He finally gets to what he needs God to do. He says, O God, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper i pray thee thy servant this day and grant him mercy in the sight of man for i was the king's cupbearer okay this has set the stage for nehemiah to go before the king once again (laughs) Oh, Jesus, I do not know what work you have to do in the kingdom, but Nehemiah has laid the foundation in prayer so you can do that work. Follow that example, and I promise you, God will do for you what he did for Nehemiah and for the people of God in Nehemiah's day. We're going to stop there at chapter one of Nehemiah, and we will continue as the Lord leads. And we'll go back to Esther to finish that because we're also dealing with how God used her in the kingdom for such a time as this. And I say to you, as I've said repeatedly, God wants to use you. Will you let him use you for such a time as this? He will. Humble yourself, fast, pray, seek his face, and it's just no telling what miracles you'll see birthed in your life and in the kingdom of God as never before. Praise the Lord. Amen and amen. This is Elder Michelle, and I will talk to you at the appointed time. We fast, we pray, and we won't stop praying. Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It is the 12 noon hour, and I am here in the prayer room praying. Hallelujah. And calling on the name of the Lord and inviting you to come on in to the prayer room. And let's pray. But before we do, I want to talk to you about the fast. If you've been paying attention to the posts and to the invitations, you know that we're in day one of the Daniel fast. This fast is for seven days. You also will recall that we fasted during the last week of summer for three days, for the 27th, the 28th, and the 29th three days of fasting and praying and oh my god it was such an awesome time of just spending it with the lord and in his presence in the prayer room uh, meditating on the word of god meditating on the promises of god delving into the book of esther which we didn't get a chance to complete yet but we will because it's such an awesome example 
of what God can and will do through the power of fasting and prayer if we come together corporately under the umbrella of faith with the decision that we're going to see this thing happen in the name of Jesus Christ because of the promises of God that he's given his people. In Esther's day, the threat was against the people of God. The enemy was out to destroy the nation, the Jewish people. And Esther was called upon to rise up in a position of authority and leadership and take the helm of responsibility, the helm of that ship, to drive them into a place of victory to defeat the enemy so that the people of God would not be touched. And the message to you, to me, and to anyone that would hear is, can God use you at such a time as this? Don't you know that even where you are on your workplace, on your job, in the position that you're in, your school, your classroom, your university setting, your office setting, whatever the situation may be, your community setting, that God has you there for such a time as this to save your nation, to save your community, to save your household. He wants to use you. And the question is, will you let him use you? So during this fast, the seven days of fasting that we're doing right now, for those again of you that are on board, um, some of you, as I said, joined me last week and you know the victory that comes with fasting and prayer. And the purpose of fasting and prayer goes beyond some of the base reasons that people want to look at when they fast, when they pray. The most important purpose of fasting is to bring your body under subjection, to make it, to force it, to bend it, to break it, to fix it. So it will yield to the spirit of the living God. The Bible says that the flesh is weak, even though the spirit may be willing. So when you want that flesh to come under subjection, so that the spirit reigns rather than your flesh, so that when the temptations come to do things in the flesh that are displeasing to God, to his will, whether it's to open up your mouth and let that tongue, which is a deadly evil, who can control it? Well, fasting and prayer can control the tongue. But you have to be willing to afflict your soul, to afflict your body, to bring it under subjection and make it do what it is that needs to be done in this time of grave necessity so that we can see God work the miracles in our land, in our homes, in our nation, among our people that God desires to do, but he's being held back, hindered, yes, you can hinder God. You can hinder the move of God. You can't stop the move of God, but you can hinder the working of the spirit of the living God. You can the spirit. The spirit is flowing. He's ready to move like a river. But do you know what a dam is in the natural where they dam up a body of water so he can't go any further? Well, you can block the move of God you can hinder, you can thwart, you can cause the spirit to go in a different direction, even as a dam does. But we want to let the Lord have his perfect way in our lives. So he's moving freely like the wind. The wind can't be obstructed unless you are inside of a house. You can't feel the impact of a wind. You can surround yourself with things that block the spirit from entering to the room where you are. You can fill it with other spirits and you invite those other spirits in. So God's not going to come into that area where you're not inviting him, even though he has the power like a tornado to tear down that roof and come on through there and tear up every room in that house. 
but he doesn't violate our will. That's the key. That's the thing I want you to understand. God does not violate the will of mankind. His will is that we prosper and be in health even as our souls prosper. It's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Thy will be done, O God, on earth as it is in heaven. This is the will of God. The word tells us the will. And when we pray the will and we press through to a place of fasting and prayer so we can understand the will of God, then we are going to always and forever be in a position where the will of God is being brought into reality into our lives. So you have to want his will more than you want that hot dog. You have to want his will more than you want that ice cream. You have to want the will of God through fasting and prayer and the power that happens in your life as a result thereof. You have to want the will of God. And when you want it, and you decree and declare that it is so, then you have the will of God working in your life, functioning in your life, and the power of God that happens because of fasting and prayer is being performed as never before. So we talked about Esther. We saw where Esther asked the people of God. He, she said, fast and pray with me for three days and three nights. Don't eat a thing and don't drink anything. So in that day, in the time that Esther was fasting and praying, they were either, they were neither drinking anything or nor were they eating anything. I'm going to just read that to you quickly. <clears throat> she said in Esther chapter four, go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. There are going to be times when you need to fast for leaders, fast for leadership. And it needs to be a corporate prayer. When corporate prayer is taking place and fasting, there is a corporate anointing that rattles through the devil's cage, so to speak, and breaks and destroys the obstacles and hindrances in the spirit realm and in the natural realm that would cause you to see a delay to what it is that you're praying for. Remember when Daniel prayed, the angel came, God told him for 21 days he had been waiting for the answer, but that answer had been held up because of traffic in the, in the, or in the heavenly realm, hindrances in the heavenly realm. So we have to pray against hindrances when we are doing what we know to do and we fasted, we're praying, we're still not getting a breakthrough. We need the wisdom of God, the instruction of God. We need God to show us where the delay is and where the problem is so we know how to forge through that and bring victory in the area that we're praying about. So Esther said, go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. So they're fasting for Esther because she's in a position of leadership. She is the queen. She has to go to the king and intercede in behalf of her nation, her people. She said, do not eat or drink for three days. This was the type of prayer, um, I'm sorry, fast that was called in Esther's day. No eating, no drinking for three days. With the fast we did last week, it was eating and drinking fruits and vegetables only for three days. If you participated in that fast, you know how wonderful it was and how God moved in the midst of it. And it was just a, a place of heightened spirituality where we were able to just really touch God and God was able to touch us in ways that are not possible when you're walking in the flesh, eating anything you want to eat, doing anything you want to do, watching everything on the TV, the Netflix, the uh, Prime TV, or whatever it is your venue, 
cable news, whatever. And just eating that, your spirit is eating that kind of food constantly. And then you want to pray effectively. The two are counter to each other. One will cancel out the other. You won't be able to enjoy one and do the other. So I'm sorry. This is a time of fasting and prayer. It's a time of desperation, of crying out to God. If you want to see change in your life, in your body, in your home, in your affairs, you have got to yield yourself to God and be willing to fast and to pray until the breakthroughs happen. Do not eat or drink for three days, Esther told the people, neither night nor day. And then she said, and after you've done that, well, before she said this, she said, and I and my attendants will also fast as you do. It's a corporate affair. Uh, affair. She wasn't asking them to fast and pray. and She was going to go on about eating the king's meat. She said she would also fast and pray. She and her attendants would also fast and pray as the others did in the nation. <clears throat> and when this was done, I will go to the king. So after this fast was completed, then Esther was empowered by the spirit of God and by the power of corporate prayer to go on her assignment to go before the king. We have many assignments in the land, many things that we need to do, and we don't feel the empowerment or the faith or whatever it is, the preparation. Um, it's time to fast and pray until you get the answer that you need, the wisdom that you need, the anointing that you need, the power of God that you need resident in your life so that you can, with that spirit of empowerment and faith, Go before whomever it is you have to go before to get the job done that you have to do. Fasting and praying. This is day one, the Daniel fast. We're fasting from midnight last night until midnight Sunday night. Seven days of fasting and prayer. If you're a part of the RWLM um, church family, then you know all the particulars of that fast. And that's the fast that we're doing this week. It's a week of fruits and vegetables. You want to eat a very lightly in terms of fruits. You don't over want, want to overdo the fruits because fruits are, are basically sugar. And you don't want to add so much sugar into your body at one time. So just do it in moderation. I'm not going to talk about the eating per se right now. I'm going to be posting things about that, but eat in moderation. If you are committed to this fast, you will see yokes broken off of you. If you're having problems with addiction, if it's sugar addiction, if it's coffee addiction, if it's nicotine addiction, if it's drug addiction, some people are addicted to pharmaceutical drugs. They're addicted to pain pills, pain relievers. Some people are addicted to um, anxiety pills. They can't function without these kinds of uh, addictive ingredients in their daily diet or intake or actions. And once they stop or try to stop, they go through what's called... Um, um, well, I've never been on drugs, but you, you know what I'm talking about. <coughs> Pardon me. Withdrawal symptoms. So during this time period, you're not going to be doing those things. You, you're making a commitment that I'm going to stop this during this fast. Don't stop taking your medicine that's prescribed by the doctor, though, Um uh, there have been instances where people have just gone cold turkey and stopped medicines that were prescribed and the outcome was not good. I'm not telling you to do that. Do not do that. Talk to your doctor about any restrictions that you feel you want to make and make sure it's okay with the doctor. Moving on. 
This is a time of fasting and prayer and great deliverance and victory over addictions if you commit yourself to this time of fasting. So Esther went on to say, I and my attendants will fast as you do. And when this is done, I will go to the king, even though it's against the law. And those immortal words of Esther that day were, and if I perish, I perish. And there's a song that's in the land. It's called, uh, I'm going to see the king. If I perish, I perish. I'm going to see the king. And then there's another song that we know so well, uh, take me to the king. The king being Christ Jesus. We want to go to the king in this hour in prayer and fasting. He's the only one that can remedy the situations that we're dealing with. There have been prolonged situations that we deal with today, situations that pertain to our health, pertain to our well-being, that pertain to our prosperity, that pertain to our children, our loved ones, our family members, situations that seemingly just won't budge, won't move, won't relent, won't give up. Well, it's like a stubborn stain in a cloth. You wash it once, it doesn't come out. You wash it again and it's still there. And after you wash it several times and that stain appears again and again, you have to take it to another level. The soap and the water wasn't getting the job done. You're going to have to use a chemical to release that stain so that it gets up out of there. You're going to have to use something in addition to your initial efforts to remove these bondages and this oppression that you're dealing with so that the Lord can come on in and give you the victory. If you don't know how to take it to another level, you've been praying all year. You've been crying out to God all year. The next level is to incorporate fasting with prayer. The fasting will intensify your prayer life. It will bring that flesh under subjection. You won't want to eat the foods that you've been eating. I give you the benefit of the doubt. You may have some issues today and even some uh, some desires for this or that. But what I find is that when it's a corporate body of believers praying and fasting at the same time, that you can gain strength from the body because the body is connected to the head who is Christ Jesus. So his victory is flowing down into the body of believers and we're praying unto the Lord. So tap into the supernatural, even though in the natural you may feel uh, hunger in your belly. You may feel a slight discomfort here or there. Press through that place. Trust God as you fast and you pray that this is going to be the most victorious time of your life. And you're going to see change. You're going to see the miraculous. You're going to experience the suddenlies in your life because God has promised that. Amen. So in Esther's day, as I said, she won the victory for the people of God as a result of fasting and prayer. Now we're going to pray and I will come back to the book of Esther, but I'm not going to do that now. I just want to have a word of prayer for those of you who are fasting and who are praying. So, Father God, in the precious name of Jesus, I pray for everyone in the prayer room, everyone that desires to have a closer walk with you, a closer talk, a closer intimacy, that wants to develop their relationship with very God because of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. For the babies who are in infancy that don't know how to pray, Father, I pray that during this time of fasting and prayer, that you would teach them how to pray, 
teach them how to meditate in your word and then transform those words that they read in your word back into prayers unto you because your word says you watch over your word and you hasten it to perform it. No doubt Esther had seen the power of fasting and prayer throughout her life. She had reckoned with the fact that God who was able was going to do for her and for her people what only God could do. And the amazing part about it all is that there was no mention of Jehovah God throughout the book of Esther and yet God was all in the picture. Some of your people are in situations where they're not vocal about their faith and they don't know quite how to talk about the transformation that has happened in their life because of Christ coming into their hearts. And yet they're in situations where they need change and they need victory and they need answers. I pray God that you would empower them during this time of fasting and prayer. I pray that the glow of God, the glory of God will be upon the countenances of your people, that when people look at your people who are involved in fasting and prayer, that they don't even have to speak the words that they thought they were gonna speak, that their countenance enough would be enough to transform that situation around and make it uh, favorable in the sight of that person with whom they have to do. Well, as I'm praying, I'm reminded of what happened in the book of Esther and I just wanna stop praying for just a minute and, and, and read this to you. Okay from the book of Esther, it says in chapter six, um, chapter six, I think it is. No, it's in chapter five. Okay, chapter five. It says, now it came to pass on the third day that this is the third day after the fast, that Esther put on her royal apparel and stood in the inner court of the king's house. Over against the king's house and the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house over against the gate of the house. And it was so when the king saw Esther, when he saw her, and this is what I was just praying about, that when the enemy sees you or that boss sees you or that husband sees you or that wife or that child, whomever it is you have to go before, whomever it is you have to confront about whatever issue that you're dealing with, when the doctor sees you, whatever your faith is believing God for in terms of change, transformation and victory, Whenever that person or persons you have to confront, come in contact with, encounter the judge, whomever, that God will be there and favor will be there because I decree and declare 2022 to be the year of God's favor. That when Esther walked in, she put on her royal apparel and stood in the inner court of the king's house over against the king's house. And the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house over against the gate of the house. It doesn't matter how high a person sits, what position they're in. It really doesn't matter from the lowest peon to the highest king, to the president, the prime minister, or the judge, when God has your back and you have his favor, God is going to show up and turn that situation around. It says that, and it was so when the king saw Esther the queen standing in the court, that she obtained favor in his sight. The moment that he saw her, she obtained favor. I want to say to you that as we fast and we pray, 
we're believing God for favor. We're believing God to transform situations, situations that have been hard to bear, hard to deal with, hard to tolerate, that the favor of God is going to show up. And the hard work that we've had to do, trying to get the stain out, so to speak, trying to get the mountain to move, so to speak, we're going to see the mountains move and we're going to see those issues resolved. We're going to see the bondages of sin broken and the addictions obliterated, eradicated, and removed from your life, from your hearts, and from your homes. So believe God in Jesus' name for his favor, his grace, and his mercy during this prayer. So God, we thank you for the time that you've allowed us to pray and for the fasting and the prayer that we're doing this week. Keep your people covered with the blood of Jesus. Keep us encouraged, motivated, inspired. Let every need be met, O oh God. Continue to protect us from hurt, harm, and danger. Dangers seen and unseen from fires, floods, natural disasters, earthquakes, tornadoes, O oh God violence in the streets and violence in the homes, violence in the schools and violence in the workplaces, violence in our own spirit because of instability. We come against the instability for you said the double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Let those who are dealing with mental challenges, mental illnesses, stress, strain, anxiety, fear, doubt, unbelief, depression, whatever it may be, bring stillness to their heart and their mind, stabilize them, help them to focus on you, and in so doing, let them be made whole. I pray for nations and kingdoms, rulers and high places, spiritual wickedness, oh God, in high places that those things would be brought down, defeated and destroyed in Jesus' name. So we bless you and we thank you for this time of inspiration, edification, and prayer as we continue day one of the Daniel Fast 100 Facebook prayer and fasting this day in Jesus' name. God bless everyone. Thank you for joining in. And Lord willing, I will talk to you again tomorrow at the same time on day two of the Daniel Fast. Hey there, my friends. This is Elder Michelle. I just want to put something in here right quick. This is a, a blessing that you are tuning into. This is from the time of the beginning of the fast for this January we're doing a seven-day fast, as you heard from the previous messages. And I just wanted to share a little excerpt from um, what we did in the prayer room today. I hope it was edifying. I hope you were blessed. And if you don't know the power of fasting and prayer, I invite you to come on board and join in with us during this time of great power and great um manifestation of the glory of God as we yield ourselves to him in the time of fasting and prayer. Come on board. You'll be blessed. This is Elder Michelle saying I love you and I'll talk to you soon. Good morning and God bless you. Thank you for joining in with me today. Today I want to read to you from the book of Esther. Uh, if you've been following the podcast, you know that we have been talking about the power of God as is demonstrated through the power of fasting and praying. And we have dealt with the book of Esther using Esther as an example of a woman of faith and prayer who knew the power of fasting when the time came for her to be used by God at such a time as this. Well, at such a time as this, God wants to use you. And if you want to see the manifest of God in your life, I want to recommend to you the power 
that comes with fasting and with praying in combination. Fasting intensifies your prayer life. It empowers your prayer life. It um, brings your flesh under subjection and control and allows the spirit of God to have his way in you. So I'm continuing now. Just want to read this to you. I don't um, want to keep you long. I want to thank you for tuning in. But this is the chapter 7 from the book of Esther in your Bible. So the king came to Esther that day. And the king said again, What is Esther? And what is thy request? And it shall form even to the half of the kingdom. This is the literal third time the king has told Esther, Whatever you want, I'll give it to you up to half of the kingdom. But really had, um, well, he really had touched the king uh, through the life of Esther. And she prayed. And she allowed God to use her for such a time as this. I want to challenge you, wherever you are, whatever situation you're in in your life, wherever you may go on the day-to-day basis, the challenge is, will you let God use you for such a time as this? He used Esther to save her nation. God wants to use you to save your household, your neighborhood, your nation. Will you let him use you? Let me read on. Then Esther, the queen, answered and said, If I have found favor in thy sight, O king, as a king, let my life be given me at my position, and my people my request. Have you interceded for your people? I just want to ask that question as I take a pause for a minute. Have you interceded? Have you prayed? Have you believed God? Have you travailed? Have you fasted for your people, for your nation, for your community, for your family? If you have not, this is the time for you to do that. We learn from the example of Esther, the power of fasting and prayer. of chapter 7. I and my people to be destroyed, to be slain, and to perish. But if we had seen, had been sold for bondmen and for bondwomen, I had held my tongue, although the enemy could not countervail the king's damage. Then the king Ahasuerus answered and said unto Esther the queen, who is he and where is he that durst presume in his heart to do so? And Esther said, the adversary and the enemy is this wicked Haman. Then Haman was afraid before the king and the queen. And the king, arising from the banquet of wine in his wrath, went into the palace garden. And Haman stood up to make request for his life to Esther the queen. For he saw that there was evil determined against him by the king. Now Haman is begging for his life. If you haven't followed this book of Esther, you need to go back and read from the beginning. And you know this saga, this story of the divine intervention of God using the queen, dethroning Vastai and allowing Esther, who is a Jew, to save her people through the petition brought by the people for fasting and prayer for three days so she could go before the king. Verse 8. Then the king turned into the place of the banquet of wine, and Haman was fallen upon the bed whereon, whereon Esther was. Then said the king, Will he force the queen also before me in the house? As the word went out of the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. So listen to this. 
Haman is now begging for his life. And when the king comes back in the room, he finds him sprawled out across Esther's bed. And the king's first presumption is that he's trying to take advantage of her, to rape her, to sexually assault her. And now the king is really livid. You got to read this for yourself. God (laughs) will transform a picture and blind the enemy so that he sees something that God would have him see to change the situation and the circumstances in the favor of the people of God. Esther had favor. You have favor. I favor. We are God's children. And he promised us favor. So in this episode, (laughs) chapter seven, episode seven, of the book Esther, we see an unfolding of incredible story of the redemption, deliverance, and victory that is birthed out of the power of fasting and prayer. Verse 9, And Harbonath, one of the chamberlains, said before the king, Behold also the gallows, 50 cubits high, which Haman had made, made for Mordecai, who had spoken good for the king, standeth in the house of Haman. Then the king said, Hang him thereon. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then was the king's wrath pacified. Oh my goodness. Haman had devised a plot against the children of God, against the Jews. He signed an edict, a decree, that all the nation, the Hebrew nation, would be annihilated, destroyed, killed, murdered, and one day, all the way down to the youngest. Pardon me. Excuse me, I'm getting excited. Let me slow down a bit. So, his his anger was pacified when they hung him on the gallows. I'm telling you people, if you have the faith to believe God, he will turn your situation around for you. Everything, because he promised that he would. And you can depend upon him, you can trust him, and he will not let you down. Well, that's all for now. We're going to have to pick this up at a later time and we'll go on into chapter eight in our next episode. God bless you and keep you as my prayer. This is Michelle saying, I will talk to you at the appointed time. Remember, you have favor with God and favor with man.